Hello and welcome to another episode of the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast. This is your host, Bart Carroll, along with Shelley Mazanoble for our first segment, speaking with geeky hostess Tara Theo Harris. In our next segment, Trevor Kidd joins us for a call with the Dungeon Bastard. But Shelly, I know you're far more interested in what Tara has to say today. I have been waiting a really <laughs> long time for this, finally getting to speak with Tara, whom I, I don't know, I kind of feel like we're soulmates. I, I really think so. I, this is are. so exciting to talk to you. If um, anyone listening out there has not heard of Tara, the geeky hostess, you need to go find her right now. She has an amazing <laughs> blog in which um, we're going to learn all sorts of things. You're going to tell us all these cool things about your blog, but I mean... Really, how did how does one become the geeky hostess? Well, um, if you, like me, have a lot of geeky passions and interests and uh, you want to find a way to e- express it in your everyday life and uh, you want to find a way to um, kind of bring some of your friends and family that aren't as geeky um, into your world, you, you kind of become this geeky host or geeky hostess. You um, incorporate your passions into parties, into recipes, into gift ideas, into home decor. And um, the Geeky Hostess uh, site itself started once I was out of college and, and living on my own with my then boyfriend, now husband, um, and realizing I, I need to start, you know, focusing on things like home decor and, and entertaining, and and I want to become this better hostess, but I don't want to lose sight of the things that I'm excited about and passionate about. So it's all about incorporating those together. Which I think is really cool because I think a lot of times people separate the two, or mm-hmm. they don't realize that that there's a way to to bring some. We'll use geeky for an for an example, but they don't realize that there's a way to maybe incorporate things that you're passionate about into like maybe like a mainstream event. Like we just had Thanksgiving, for instance. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there was a way to incorporate a little geek with your uh, turkey there, but yeah, I mean, for Thanksgiving, the the easiest thing is just bring home your favorite new games and, and share them with the family. Um, we visited Iowa and all of my extended family for the first time for Thanksgiving, and it was my first time in. 10 or 20 years seeing most of them and the first time ever that my husband met a lot of them and he just brought a backpack full of games and he was the most popular guy there. (laughs) That's a good tool when you're meeting a a family for the first time. So out of curiosity, what did you guys end up playing? Oh, we played a lot. Um, Let's see, one of the the kind of more party style games we played was Catchphrase. That was really popular for um, the people that weren't as into gaming. Um, We brought um, GetBit for some of the younger Younger members, I think we had people around age 10 playing that all the way up to adult. Um, guillotine or guillotine, however you pronounce it, uh, was also a fan favorite and that we had people um, 10 and up playing. Um, what else? We brought Dixit, which was another easy one for um, people that, that weren't as excited about strategy but still want to be a part of it. Um, and everyone loves that. I mean, the cards are just so beautiful. And uh, there, there are a few others. He had a, a lot. Yeah, <laughs> but those Sounds are some great. of the popular ones. That, it's a good variety. Yeah. We have recently, well, we, last year, Christmas Eve, we started what I hope is a new tradition, and we played Cards Against Humanity with my mom, <laughs> who loved it. I have also done that with my parents. Yeah, that, it's yeah. an adventure. She was actually <laughs> um, alarmingly really good at it. My dad was in the living room because he just kept screaming, "Stop it! Come on, it's Christmas Eve." <laughs> but anyway, um, so but you you play D and D? I do. So how did you? What was your introduction to D and D? 
So my introduction was back in college, so I was a little bit of a, a late bloomer um, to D&D. My, once again, then boyfriend, now husband, introduced me. Um, we met doing improv, and so we played with a bunch of members of our improv troupe. And that oh, is one of the most like fun the ways to play. Yeah. D&D party right there. Exactly. So it was, <laughs> it was very humorous. It was very fun. It was very story-driven. And that's, um, I think, why I, I love very story-driven versions of um, Dungeons & Dragons campaigns, because um, I just I like that adventure, and I like creating complicated characters that, mm-hmm. that might not survive the whole way and they might not always make the best decisions, but it makes for that really good story that you can you can retell at the next campaign. So you don't get too attached to your characters? I I don't. Um, we usually do a lot more one-off campaigns than continued campaigns. So we'll do the, you know, you start early in the day and, and go all night and, and just play one big adventure. So we know whatever's going to happen to that character. We can always re-roll the next time we all get together. Yeah, sometimes sure. it's more fun to have the character with a three instead of an 18. And yeah. the ability scores, <laughs> it works. It exactly. takes the pressure off of you really thinking about what the right decision would be? Just, like, yeah, oh, never make the right my decision. My character doesn't, really doesn't know this. So, yeah. yeah, it would make sense. Um, so you have mentioned a little bit about, about what we could find on your site, but mm-hmm. it, it is dedicated to incorporating geeky passions into everyday life. Mm-hmm. Um, so how, like, what would be, other than, like, say, like, say home decor, mm-hmm. what would be a good tip for somebody who wants to feather their D&D nest with a little geeky accessories. Yeah, well, Dungeons & Dragons specifically is so great because there are those fabulous miniatures um, or larger miniatures when you get to the you know, yeah. the scale-sized um, dragons and creatures and um, decorating with a few of those on a mantle or above your really? bookshelf, I think is, it can be really nice, especially I, if you interesting, tie... Interesting. Bart's looking at me like... Huh? <laughs> He's like, yeah. yeah. My 17-month-old um, son is already into <laughs> D&D minis. And oh, awesome. And it makes my heart squeal. <laughs> <laughs> but I think these are the kinds of things that a lot of women might say, uh-uh-uh, not in my living room. Box it up, you, put it back in your man cave. If you do it... I would say in a in a classy way, and that yeah. that means a lot of things to di- or a lot of different things to different people. But um, I think if you incorporate the colors, perhaps it's just one dragon that you have up, and you incorporate those colors into the rest of your decor, and you have um, you know fairly minimal collections up there, you just mm-hmm. really focus on a couple of things, or you can have just your, a really basic living room or office or. You can just have a really basic living room or office, but um, you can frame a couple of really nice prints, um, or you can pick a couple of your favorite um, images from the book, or your favorite character sheets, or anything like that, and just oh, character sheets—that's an interesting idea. Yeah, Yeah. I think maps too would probably make really cool art. Mm -hmm. Art's getting inspired over there. Yes. <laughs> and then, of course, if, if you have one of those coffee tables that has the glass that you can stick things underneath, you can stick um, the grid that you've been playing with or the map that you've been playing with or things like that underneath. It's very practical, too. Then yeah. you can just start playing. Exactly. Right there during a commercial break. And interesting, too, about the minis, because mm-hmm. especially the dragon minis, they are actually really, really beautiful. The they ones really that, that WizKids has put out, they act, they're on like a clear base, mm-hmm. too. So it almost looks like dragons are flying over your fireplace mantle. Ooh. Oh, I'm getting inspired I like that now. With the fire too. That's yeah, great. Or if you're decorating your Christmas tree, they probably make pretty good Christmas decorations. Yes, actually, I have to show you somebody's Christmas tree while you're here Ooh. because she actually took little dragon finger puppets and put them on um, Christmas tree branches. Oh, it's really, it's really quite adorable. Yeah. 
There you, there's an idea for you. I, you can totally yeah, take that. Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> and that, I mean, that's Dungeons and Dragons, but it also, you know, can work with Game of Thrones or other fantasy things, and you can just kind of tie in all of that into your tree. Right now. Absolutely. It's we kind of, acknowledge only Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> of course. What is this Game of Thrones? <laughs> Game of not. Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, that's, that's what you mean. Um, so um, holidays, like we talked about mm-hmm. Thanksgiving. We have uh, Christmas, Hanukkah coming up. Um, so that, and obviously that means a lot of friends and family are are getting together. So this seems like a good time maybe to start to host a game night. Yes, not not just a D and D game night, but <laughs> maybe a D and D game night. So what would be like, what are some tips on making a game night really shine? Yeah, um, I actually have a few friends who instead of give gifts, they invite everybody to a game night, and it's um, it's become holiday traditions, and it's really fun. Um, one way you can incorporate kind of the holidays into it is um, having a gift-giving element during the game night. Um, perhaps the winner gets to pick a white elephant gift or, or something like that. Um, I mean, or for Dungeons & Dragons, it can be um, if they receive certain items after going through um, through puzzles or things like that, then they actually receive the items in real life. That is pretty awesome. Um, I also have a really fun way to invite people to a Dungeons & Dragons game, which is a fun little craft that you can do as well. Um, is it time for our craft portion? It can be. Let's do it. All right. Okay. So, um, actually, if you want to play around with this and open it, okay. you can. Um, I just handed Shelly um, a surprise ball, and it is themed around a Dungeons & Dragons invitation. This is so cool. So this is, it's wrapped in crepe so paper? It's, yeah, it's wrapped in uh, crepe paper, and um, then for decorative purposes, there's some washi tape and um, stickers on the top. You obviously don't have to put that on, but... But it looks really cool with it on. Uh, and just, we, we will be able... People are going to be able to find the how-to. Yes, on yes. This, on there will be a link with pictures okay. and, and information. So I'm now. just going to tear through this. Go so I'm it. opening this. This is very exciting. It's wrapped in a lot of flash paper, so keep it really <laughs> close to your face. <laughs> yeah, this isn't going to explode all no, over me. No, no explosions. I don't know how to do that yet. <laughs> Once okay. I figure that out, I'll <laughs> for sure add it. Yes, that that blog we may not link to. Oh, this is like this is cool. This is keep. Oh, oh, I just got a little piece of paper that just fell out of this. Okay, the ball is still relatively intact, but a little yes. piece of paper has fallen out. And it says you are cordially invited to a Dungeons & Dragons campaign on January 17th. Gameplay begins at 1 p.m. How cool is that for an invitation? And I'm not even done. Yeah. All right, I am totally intrigued here. And while you continue to unwrap, um, one tip for if you are inviting people to a Dungeons & Dragons game as a gift, make sure you have a date in mind or um, even two if, if they're busy and you're not sure which date will work for them. But um, if you don't give a date and you just say, we're going to do a campaign at some point, it's going to go the way of, of a lot of coupon books that, that go for the holidays where it probably will never be redeemed. So. I am very familiar with what you speak <laughs> of. <Okay>. Coupons. <laughs> Yep. Oh, I just unwrapped the next layer, and this is uh, this is. I always get confused with a D8 and a D10, but this is a D8. That is a D8. <laughs> I always panic in the middle of uh, a D and D game. Like, oh gosh, yeah. Ah, like, oh, which I don't know which one to roll. <laughs> just split the difference and call it a D9. There you <laughs> yeah, go. Yes. No one will there know. There you go. Awesome. Okay, I'm very intrigued. Oh, and I just uncovered a little bit of purple now. Yeah, yeah you can uh, change up the colors of the crepe paper streamers as you go through with a little bit of tape just to add some fun and variety. Like a really cool gift. A really cool thing for anybody, but I'm thinking a kid would love Oh, yes. yeah, definitely. And oh. for, for kids, you can put other fun little tiny things. In I found another die. All right, this is, I'm in. I'm totally in. <laughs> Because I know that invitation wasn't just a prop. I'm oh, totally yeah, showing yeah. It. <laughs> oh, and I just got, oh, I just got another piece of paper, and it says, redeem this slip of paper for, 
advantage or disadvantage on the role of your choice can be given to another player or NPC. That is also extremely awesome. That yeah, would have come so, in handy yesterday. So if you are running a campaign as a gift, it's good to reward your players and give them some, some fun little advantages like that. And good use of the advantage-disadvantage rules. Yes! I've, especially if, it's, uh, if you're introducing them. Especially if you are introducing them to the new rules. That's a great way yes. to get started. Thank you. Oh, there's my D10. All right, now I'm on to some pink cray paper. Yep, gotta have a little bit so of pink. So, <laughs> yes, you are totally talking to the right person. And I got another, I got a D6. Okay, okay, this is super, this is, I mean, like a full set of dice. Is actually yeah. Nice. I'll give those back to you. Thank you. <laughs> like, yeah, these are sample ones. <laughs> these but, are very nice. Um, D4, always handy for the wizard. Oh, and another piece of paper. I love getting these little pieces of paper. All right, what does this one say? This says, redeem this slip of paper for one random item from the trinkets page. Which is my favorite, I guess it's a spread since it's two pages, but my favorite part of um, of the player, I'm looking at the, oh, that's, yeah. the player's handbook. It's one of my favorite parts of the player's handbook. That is very cool. And a great way to incorporate the core rule books into yes. your gift giving. Excellent. Oh, I love that. Oh, and here's my D20. Did you strategically put it in there last? I did. Yeah. Very nice. Oh, <laughs> now we have yellow crepe paper. And not only is this fun to unwrap, but I am now covered in a pile of crepe paper. Yeah, it's which like I've decorated you for the holidays. It is. And, this, and who doesn't want that? Another cool piece of paper. Redeem this slip of paper for one re-roll can be given to another player or NPC. Don't know about that. You would give this one up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll say you know one of the monsters rolled very well. Then you can encourage them. You could say they have to re-roll. Um, oh, of course, yes. So, yeah. That nice. All right. DMs must hate that. Yep. <laughs> Got my full set of dice here, and there's seems like one last cool thing in here, and it is <gasps> a mini. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Look. Oh. She's gorgeous. <laughs> this is beautiful and a mini. So how cool is this? So you so, get your invitation, you get your dice, you get some cool in-game items to use, and you get a mini. What mini is it? It is a sorceress. I don't remember her exact name. Ah, but I know somebody who plays sorceresses quite often. So weird. Almost <laughs> exclusively. Somebody might be playing a sorceress in her campaign right now. <laughs> there we go. I love this. This is a very, very cool idea. And super easy, pretty inexpensive. You just need to buy a couple rolls of, of crepe paper and then, of course, um, any of the goodies that you want to put inside. And I don't know about all of you, but I had a really good time opening that. <laughs> <laughs> so I can assure you, I probably should have handed it over to you at some point. Oh, no, that's fine. But uh, we will put the instructions and some photos up on the website as well as a link over to the Geeky Hostess blog. Yeah. Yes, because I imagine that you have quite a few. I know you do because I actually read your blog. So there's <laughs> quite, a, quite a few tips on there, but I know that you're going to get to maybe, uh, maybe a recipe or two. Yeah. Um, but first, maybe we should talk a little bit more about gift giving. Tis the season. And maybe you have some good ideas if for people who are struggling to find a gift for the, the geek in their life. Um, let's think about your geeky best friend, your geeky significant other, um, your geeky hostess, because you're probably attending mm -hmm. some parties this year, too, and it's always nice to bring a hostess gift. Do you have any suggestions for people? Oh, I do. Oh, yes. Uh, so for your geeky best friend, um, when I was 
thinking about this, I I'd thought obviously about uh, some of my, my female best friends. So these um, are, are some, potentially some female specific ideas, but I mean, they can't be ruled out. Um, men may like them as well. Um, one thing I love to do is give my friends jewelry that has something um, special incorporated with it. Um, and there are a lot of really good small businesses uh, that you can support um, and have them put, you know, a, a great saying of your choice, whether it's a, a nerdy saying from your favorite movie yeah. or TV show or maybe an, an in-joke from last time you guys played a campaign together. Um, spiffing jewelry is one of these, and I'll include um, a link on my site okay. for that. Um and then um, if you just go on Etsy and, and type in, you can find a lot as well. And yeah. I think supporting those small businesses is really exciting and interesting. And it gives you a story um, to tell your friend as well with where their, their gift came from. It's certainly unique. It's not yes. something that everyone's going to be wearing. Definitely. Um, and then along the that kind of fun line, um, I actually have an item in my shop um, that I love to give to people who enjoy RPGs and Dungeons and & Dragons specifically. And that is um, Rhinestone D20 Underwear. So it's oh. a little, it's like little boy short, boy shorts that have um, a rhinestone D twenty on them, and so that's just kind of a fun uh, little thing. It also makes a really fun wedding gift or bridal shower gift, is you know, kind of adding some charisma to their day. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a good little tagline. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Let's see, for um, your geeky significant other, um, those those ideas could work as well for them. Um, but I really like to um, give games to my husband um, because then we both can enjoy it, which is right. really fun. Um, and specifically, I like looking for two-player games. Um, so we have an excuse to just sit down and play together. Um, some of our favorites include Lost Cities, Hive, um, and then some that aren't necessarily only two-player games, but we enjoy playing um, just together is Dominion and Carcassonne. Um, so if you're looking for some good two-player games, those are the ones I'd recommend. That's a great idea. Yes. I'd be remiss if I didn't also mention Lords of Waterdeep, which I like to do. Of course. That is also <laughs> one of my favorite Not just because games. it's a Wizards of the Coast game, <laughs> uh, but awesome we've also played that as two-player two players on up, and it's a pretty easy one to, to teach new players as well. Ticket to Ride. Ticket to Ride, yes, mm -hmm. although it's hard to, to beat Certain players. It's hard, to be, it's hard to be someone in particular who might be in this room right now. <laughs> I'm pretty good at it. What can I say? And you know, I'd add one more as well. Uh, Telestrations is also one that we really That's a fun enjoyed. game. Have you played that Ooh, one? I have not played that one not yet. Not two-player. I've heard good things, though. It's a, it's a very yeah, good party Yeah, more the merrier on that one. I feel like that would be a great one for the family as well. That if is. you're looking to put something under the Christmas tree that everyone can play on Christmas Day. Absolutely. Yeah, kids would like it, younger mm -hmm. ones. Well, we have had some really fun moments with that game. Awesome. Yes, and you don't. It's actually better if you can't draw. Like there was one person in the group that was a really good artist, and we were like, "You suck!" Man. Like everybody knows what that is. Yeah, you I'm ruined it. You ruined I'm the whole definitely game. the awkward drawer. I'm the one that like yeah. you cannot tell what it is. No, so. it makes sense in my head. But so. Um, um, Geeky hostess? Yeah, have? if you are attending um, a holiday party and you want to bring something over for the host or hostess, um, one thing I'd recommend is finding a geeky cookbook. Um, it's just something fun that they wouldn't maybe necessarily buy for themselves, but we'll also encourage them to maybe bake those things for you in the future. Yes. Um, let's see, if you go on Amazon, there um, are quite a few. Also, if you search my site, you can see um, a lot of reviews on my site of different geeky cookbooks, including um, unofficial Harry Potter ones, Game of Thrones ones. Um, but one that is just coming out um, that I got a review copy of that I absolutely love is called in excuse me <clears throat> is called an unexpected cookbook and it's an unofficial Hobbit themed cookbook oh. um, by Chris Rachel Osland and um, it has 
everything you can want in there. There are a lot of second breakfast recipes. There are, nice. um, I'm trying to think of, of any in particular. I don't know. They all just look amazing. That is a great gift um, idea. I am also a fan of second breakfast. And yeah. third. <laughs> and the great thing about that is, um, once again, because it's kind of in that, that fantasy realm, a lot of um, the items that are in that cookbook can be used for Dungeons & Dragons campaigns. So if you're, if you're starting off early in the morning and want to make a big brunch, um, there are a lot of really good recipes in there. Yeah. I mean, you could do a whole, you could theme a whole party around that one cookbook. Yeah. And also because Lord of the Rings is, it's obviously fantasy, but it's mm-hmm. so, it's kind of mainstream yeah. now too. Like yeah. a lot of my friends that say, I don't like fantasy at all. They love Lord <laughs> of the Rings. That would be a really good gift for, for one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an easy way to, to bring them into the, the geekdom a little bit more. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have any items on your wish list? I do have um, one, and it's it's kind of a smaller item. Um, so it's actually a, it's a really good price point for for gifts. And on ThinkGeek, there is a D twenty mini cake pan, um, oh. and so it's like this silicone um, item that makes a D twenty shaped um, like cakes or or breads or things like that. And it looks a little difficult to make, but I'm up for the challenge. Okay, um, it has to be easier than those D twenty chocolates that I've. Seeing yeah. people trying to make. Yeah. No, this one, it's just you You put the dough in, you stick the top on, and then you, you let that the oven do good. the rest. That sounds um, good. But, and it, like, indents the, the numbers into yeah. the sides. So, yeah. It looks like it would be really fun. I, I would love to make some rolls with that to go with, like, a nice tavern stew for, for one of the D&D candies. Initiative rolls. Initiative rolls. I love it. Right? Um, <laughs> uh, I stole that, actually, from one of my favorite books, Confessions of a Part-Time Source. I was going to say, I feel like I've heard yeah. that before. Yeah, go figure. <laughs> <laughs> so I know that we, we don't have too much time left with you, which is so unfortunate. Um, I can tell you right now, though, you are coming back, whether you want to or Excellent. not. Excellent. We'll chase you down the street with a microphone. Um, but recipes, really quick. Yes. Do you have – I know you have a, a cool recipe to share with us. Yes. So um, if you're looking for another little goodie to give for the holidays or really any time, um, one of my favorite holiday traditions is making truffles um, for all my friends. And so I created a fireball truffle, um, and it's not just the whiskey. It's, <laughs> it's more <laughs> – Dungeons and the Dragons themed. Um, oh, definitely. I have that spell. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's just a really delicious chocolate truffle that has a little bit of cinnamon and a little bit of um, red pepper in there to give it a little bit of a oh, kick. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it's um, it's very fun. It's I'd recommend it for people who enjoy spicy things because it is a little on the spicy side. Um, and then you top it with red pop rocks to give it a little bit of a kick Aww. there as well. And it looks holiday-ish. It so, does. Yeah. So that recipe, I believe, will be um, online as well, and we can link to that. Absolutely. We're going to find all of this. So speaking of which, people want to find Geeky Hostess. Where would they find your blog online? They can find it at geekyhostess.com. Um, I'm also on most social media sites. So if you just search for Geeky Hostess, you'll you'll find me on Twitter or Facebook or Tumblr or Pinterest or Google Plus or YouTube or <laughs> on most whatever else is <laughs> out there. <laughs> Um, so we will, and we'll definitely link to, to your site as well. Absolutely. So very sad that this was a short segment, but we appreciate you coming in before the holidays. Thank you so much. You must be very busy this time of year, I'm sure. Oh, it's fun. We we will love to have you back next year. Excellent. Or sooner. Or sooner. (laughs) (laughs) In our next segment, Trevor Kidd joins us for a call with Bill Cavalier, AKA the Dungeon Bastard. If you are not familiar with the Dungeon Bastard, he is a dungeon coach, a persona, 
a uh, force of nature. All around badass. <laughs> he likes axes. He likes Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, and he likes uh, rolling dice. <laughs> Today, the Dungeon Master joins us to talk a little bit about the Dungeon Master's Guide. As the book has just released, the Dungeon Master takes a look inside and gives us his thoughts. So, first of all, thanks for joining the podcast, Dungeon Bastard. Thank you very much for having me, and hello gamers out there. Right, Bill. So, uh, Dungeon Bastard here. Before we get started, how about you tell us a little bit about how you got into D&D? Yeah, so in 1983, I locked myself in my room with uh, six liters of Fresca, uh, five pounds of beef jerky, and the entire Deities and Demigods, and my character sheet, Agthar Ironbinder. And I determined to myself that if I was not finished destroying all of the Cthulhu mythos, I was not leaving that room. Needless to say, 25 minutes later, I was a hardcore gamer. So that was how you started playing. Uh, do, you d- do you DM? It looks like you DM based on your advice. First and foremost, I'm an advocate for the players, right? If you want DMing advice, there are plenty of terrible resources you can turn to in order to get a good idea of how to craft the boring story that you want to try and inflict upon your players. I'm here to rescue the players from that sort of nonsense. So I have picked up DMing advice gleaned through tireless hours of horrible gaming sessions. And then I've picked the golden nuggets to sprint forth my wisdom with uh, those of you out there in the Dungeons & Dragons community. We, we definitely appreciate it. Uh, I, can tell, I can tell by the sincerity of your reply, Trevor. We definitely appreciate I'm it. I'm totally excited and happy with <laughs> the help you're giving the D&D community. Um, so with that said, how would you categorize your DM style? Uh, I would I would categorize it as the best of the worst. So, uh, look, I'm not one for big ideas. I'm not one for uh, inventiveness. That's not me. Have you seen what I wear every day? It's a pair of sweatpants and a tight t-shirt. That's it. Why? Because it's easy to launder and it's comfortable. I'm not, I'm not out there to uh, make a fashion statement or to impress somebody with my style. I'm all about functionality and utility, and that's my DMing style. Let's get right down to rolling dice and punching evil in the face. So uh, when you did the world's worst dungeon crawl recently, how did, how did that go then, since it was all about punching things in the face? Well, since you're asking me, I would say it was an unmitigated success. But for those of you out there who don't know what the world's worst dungeon crawl was, I took the most cliched, hackneyed elements of your average Dungeons & Dragons game going all the way back to when you were 12 and your cousin decided to just quote-unquote put you past a few dragons. And uh, I incorporated all that into a horrible, cliched adventure. And then I sprinkled my Dungeon Bastard magic on it and made it totally awesome. (laughs) And uh, that's my goal, is to take just the nuts and bolts of Dungeons & Dragons and then glisten them ever so slightly, just put a little polish on there, and make a totally kick-ass experience. So this was uh, the world's worst dungeon crawl. This was at uh, Game Hole? This actually was at Gen Con. Uh, Gen Con 2013 was when I ran that before a live studio audience of 200 and some gamers. Yes. Uh, I also ran it, however, at the most recent Gamehole Con in Madison, Wisconsin. And if you're in the Midwest area, uh, both of those conventions are fantastic. One's very small and intimate, and uh, the other one is uh, in Madison, Wisconsin. I, I really wanted to go to Gamehole Con this year. It's, uh, it looks pretty cool. We had a lot of guys from the office go. So, did you get a chance to hang out with Chris Perkins or any of the guys? I did, as a matter of fact, get a chance to interrupt Chris Perkins' uh, panel where he was uh, explaining all of the majesty of the Dungeon Master's Guide and then correct him. 
So, yeah, speaking of that, you and Chris are, are a little bit different in DMing style for sure. You're talking about, you know, being more about the uh, fighting in your face style. Yeah, and for, and for instance, when I DM, I have hair. <laughs> well, that that would be a very big difference. Did you bring that up with Chris? I chose not to bring it up at that time because he works out more than I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's got some of that some of that MMA stuff going on. you be got to be careful with Chris. So, yeah, what do you think about all the story and world building help in the DMG then? Probably, I think I know what your answer might be, but I could, I, I'm willing to be surprised. You know, here's the thing. Uh, the Dungeon Master's Guide is packed full of tables, uh, little uh, subsections, tips, tricks, techniques, uh, methods for making your world more rich, more inviting, more engaging. Uh, I have a helicopter going over my head here today. Why? Because they're keeping surveillance on me that I don't leak any secrets from the Dungeon Master's Guide. <laughs> Um, it's too late. It's already on the shelves if you go to your FLGS. Uh, so here's the thing that I, my, my total summary of the Dungeon Master's Guide. It's, it's as if your DM was a three-year-old child and just kept walking up to the book and going, Why? 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 The DMG has an answer every time you ask one of those whys. Why do I want to include a small town? Boom. Hey, well, we'll just drop that segment in. Oh, okay, what's going on? In the, what sort of, why are there buildings in this small town? Well, boom, we'll drop a section in there. The never-ending questions, it seems to have an answer for every single one. Um, it's a rabbit hole of advice, tips, and techniques. And uh, for me as a player, listen, I got lost. It's too much to consume at one sh- one shot. Nothing too wrong with that. It's, 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 good, it's a good reference to come back to and to come back to all the time. So last week, I saw you build an adventure using the random tables in Chapter it's 3 true. and beyond. What did you think about that experience? It's true. You know, so here's the thing is uh, I, I'm not big on building adventures. It's not what I do every single day, day in, day out. I'm focused on min-maxing my character, making sure I pick out the best weapons, uh, optimize my feet chain, decide what abilities I really want to get a 20 or a 24 or a, or a 30 in. That's a house rule, everybody. You know, <laughs> that's that's just me kind of, kind of tweaking on the edges of the system. Um, and so for me, it was actually remarkably straightforward to kind of come into this thing and... Boom, right off the bat, you've got adventure goals. You've got a goal for your dungeon. Uh, there's another table there that's going to give you the layout of your dungeon. It's going to tell you who your main villain is. Uh, I was really actually in the course of you know, little, a little bit over an hour able to put together a very interesting, original, uh, compact adventure uh, that I think I could probably walk away and just you know, drop in on my players, boom, that night and have a fantastic evening of gaming. So, uh, you know, if you need those kind of, kind of helpful tools and tricks, uh, that's, it's, a, it's a perfect resource for you. The, the problem that I have with this book is there's just too much in it that's useful. <laughs> Normally when you have your Dungeons Master's Guide, it's something that you take home, you snuggle up with at night, you maybe read a page and a half or so, you try and figure out exactly what Gary was trying to say with those long, convoluted words. And uh, then when you wake up in the morning, you're dreaming of kobolds who are trying to stab you in, stab you in the neck with a, with a poison short sword. This thing, I'm going to want to have it on my table with me every time I'm gaming because there's a ton of advice in there that's uh, immediately available to you that when you have a questioner, you have to come up with something that your players didn't think of, which, let's be honest, that's the player's job is to come up with stuff that the DM didn't think of. You can flip this thing open and come up with a quick answer. And not just a quick answer that's uh, simple, but a quick, quick answer that's interesting and satisfying. 
So it's a difficult book to digest for somebody who's used to just kind of sitting back and letting it stew overnight. It's, it's, a, little too, uh, it's a little too handy for me. I, I've got enough books in my backpack. So what do, you, what do you think about arming your DMs with this then? Are you worried about that? Well, I am afraid that they're going to try and have more epic adventures than we already have. And uh, given that I'm playing in the game, I'm not sure that's possible. I'm anxious to find out. But I do appreciate the fact that, uh, you know, whether you're a neophyte DM, somebody who's just getting into the game for the first time, or you're an old-school veteran with uh, years of experience under your belt, there's enough tools in there to kind of give you a little flavor, a little twist, or either, either help you along with your game because you're new to it and help you structure an adventure or structure a campaign locale or even an entire campaign arc, or if you're a veteran DM, there's enough stuff in there to kind of just juice the inspirational muscles there and uh, really put your D&D game on steroids. I'm, I'm not advocating drug use with D&D, but I really did like that quote, so. I'm advocating drug use for your imagination, which requires one thing, imaginary drugs. <laughs> <laughs> we got all sorts of those. Mostly they're called poisons in the DMG, but... Listen, I have to say I'm going to take issue with you right there. I think the poison and disease tables are the uh, last refuge of a weak-minded DM. (laughs) Yes, you've got it all laid out. It's very straightforward how you use these things. Um, Look, if I'm going to encounter something, I want it to straight-up kill me. I don't want to have to die of a series of constitution checks over the course of five days. I have to, I mean, let's all agree that diseases and and, uh, poisons are not a fun thing. I think the DMG does a pretty good job of laying that out. But hopefully you could, you know, if you get something like that, you could just throw yourself into the mouth of a dragon. Uh, That's not possible for me, Trevor, because I've killed all the dragons in my area. All the dragons? Yeah. All of them? Listen, I'm an elite player, okay? I don't mess around with the kobolds on the bottom and work my way up to the top. I go straight for the throat. The scaly, fire-breathing throat. If it takes me 60 characters to kill that thing... I'll do it. I'm not afraid to roll dice. So you're just waiting for that 30 you were talking about. <laughs> I'm waiting for that natural 30 to come up on 4d6, drop the lowest. Okay, so let's we've talked a little bit as a DM. How about so you as a player looking at that DMG, what did you think about all those magic items? Oh boy. The only thing, the only critique I have, because there's a treasure trove of stuff in there. And the one thing that I like is that it definitely has a throwback to that AD&D old school feel where you've got the classic iconic magic items in there. Uh, they're not particularly convoluted. Uh, it's like uh, it's like you're revisiting your old DMG, but with a, a new modern flair with a modern design sensibility. And uh, it's very straightforward. It's very playable, and there's a lot of a uh, lot of flavor to latch on to there. So I appreciate that. I appreciate the scarcity. Um, the one area where I think there's a little too much scarcity is in the number of magical battle axes, because I only counted like four, and uh, in my campaign there's got to be at least 12. Yeah, you can never have too many of those. Exactly. Uh, a lot of guys talk about having a, a, a golf, golf bag filled with swords. I have a golf cart filled with battle axes. Is like the golf cart, cart some kind of like apparatus of qualish, but, you know, modified? Oh, no, it's pulled by gnomes. There's no... I don't believe in mechanical <laughs> stuff. That's dangerous. I, I believe in, in enslaving the lesser races, i.e. halflings, gnomes, uh, maybe a half-elf. Um, definitely, definitely. Don't mess with those dragonborn guys. I don't even know. 
So since we're talking about those sections, you know, the kind of the, the player-driven stuff there, there's another section in the DMG, which we touched on a little bit. It's the Dungeon Master's Workshop. And then there's a whole bunch of, like, hacks for the game that, that change the game. They can give players new abilities or anything like that. What, were there things in there that, that stuck out to you? Well, there's several things, of course. Uh, number one, I like proficiency dice. Why? Because I like rolling dice. And with proficiency dice, what do you get to do? Roll more dice. That's a win-win in my book. Uh, number two, I like hero points. Why? Because I'm a hero. Done. Let's quantify it by a number of given points. I should have at least like a 50 to 1 ratio of all the other players at the table. Uh, I like having something I can look at and prove that I'm definitively better than everyone else. Um, explosives speaks for itself. I don't think we need to, you know, go any further into that. Um, and then finally, one thing that I was really enthused about was uh, weapon speed factor. Uh, this, like, again, like I mentioned, this is a throwback to, like, an old-school AD&D type of uh, system, but with a modern design flourish on top of it. And, uh, yeah, you're gonna probably have to add in, like, re-rolling for initiative each round in order to really take full advantage of those weapon speed factor modifiers, but that's rolling more dice. I'm not afraid of that. I'm all for it. So, really, like, roll, roll the dice to take a step forward. Roll the dice to sit down. You want, you want for every action a, 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 some kind of die roll. Listen, I don't want to roll for every single action. I don't want to have my hero uh, roll to see whether he actually picks up his axe. I don't want to roll to see whether uh, I actually wake up that morning. Uh, those sorts of things are, are tiresome, right? What I do want to roll is a bunch of dice whenever I do roll. That's what's important to me. So... Uh, you know, look, if I can re-roll initiative every round, that sounds terrific. If I can modify that die roll a bunch of times, that sounds terrific. I like math. Why? Because math is my friend. That's the min-maxer's secret weapon against the dungeon master, right? The dungeon master has all these tools available to him. He has his crazy imagination. He has DM fiat. He has a book filled with magic items, uh, NPC traits, abilities, uh, tricks, traps, diseases, all of that sort of stuff. The only thing you can use against him, other than blind luck, is math. Well, so we wanted to ask about that. I mean, we've asked you about the Dungeon Master's Guide as is. Now, the one section it doesn't have is a Dungeon Bastard's Workshop. If you were going to put one of those into the book, how might that actually look? So for my own personal homebrew campaign, uh, I would put together a 120-segment initiative order, okay? And then instead of rolling a d20 and modifying that roll by your dexterity modifier, what you'd do is you'd roll a d6 for each point of dexterity that you had. So if you had an 18 dexterity, you'd roll at 18 d6, and then I start counting down from 120, and whatever your total is, that's when you go on your initiative order. It seems ungainly, it seems cumbersome, but you know what? You roll fistfuls of dice. <laughs> well, tough but fair. Speaking of tough but fair, again, we're talking about magic items, some magic item creation rules. How, how would you handle magic item creation rules for your games? Okay, so uh, first of all, there'd be a table, and you'd roll uh, 0 to 99. What is the magic item? It's an axe. Uh, double zero, it's a Vorpal axe. <laughs> so that's how I would start. Here's the thing. I don't really believe in magic item creation. Magic items are not something that your character makes. They're something that are bestowed upon you through the good graces of the DM. So magic item creation, in my ho personal homebrew system, involves one thing. 
bribes. That's right. <laughs> know your DM. Know what kind of snacks he likes. Knows what know what kind of soda he likes to drink. Uh, know what kind of car he drives because you never know. Maybe he needs an oil change. Is it going to use five W thirty or ten W thirty? You got to know the difference, buddy. Otherwise, you're looking at a meltdown on the highway. And trust me, nobody wants that. So, magic item creation involves one thing. Purchasing large amounts of sugar. <laughs> yeah, there's usually a lot of food bribes at the table in general when I see uh, RDMs or me DMing. So that, that, that makes perfect sense in my world, man. Um, all right, so I think we're going to wrap up here shortly. But before we go, Bill, before we go, I have to ask, are there any party words of advice, knowing what to do about the DMG, are there any party words of advice you want to leave for all the DMs out there? Well, I guess what I would say is if you feel like you have failings as a dungeon master. If you feel like there's room for improvement as a dungeon master. If you feel like you can't afford adventure coaching from me personally, and trust me, my rates are exorbitant, then I suggest you pick up this latest Dungeon Master's Guide. It's got a tool for every situation. It really covers the basics. Uh, I'm excited for uh, my... I have a friend who has a 10-year-old son who's just getting into D&D. I am excited for him to have this book. Why? So I can just see his imagination light up with all the new concepts. For me as an old school DM, I have to say, I also got a lot out of this thing. I love all of the different subtables and tools. I love how every aspect of DMing is really covered in a very concise but useful manner. So uh, my advice is if you're not me, and chances are you're not, you need to get yourself a Dungeon Master's Guide. Pretty, pretty good advice. I'll take that one. Well, thank you, Bill, for being on the show. I just want to mention, finally, in closing here, that that uh, idea of a D6 per point of uh, dexterity, that's totally copyright uh, 2014 Dungeon Bastard idea. I don't want to see that showing up in some sort of weird supplement or something like that. That's not that's not Creative Commons, okay, you guys? So, uh, you know, I just want to make sure that I got my uh, intellectual, you know, claws into that property because I think that could be a real winner for everyone out there. And we're going to edit out this entire discussion yep, and disclaimer never, now. Never happened. <laughs> but I look forward to seeing that in, in uh, the Dungeon Bastards module of Special House Rules. So that'd be <laughs> awesome. Well, as always, thank you for listening to the D&D Podcast. You can download the latest episodes on our website, DungeonsAndDragons.com, as well as subscribe directly from iTunes. On behalf of Shelley Mazinobel, Trevor Kidd, the Dungeon Bastard, and the Geeky Hostess, thanks again for listening. Game on, gamers! <laughs> <laughs>